This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast, Rockies Special Assistant of Player Development, Jerry Weinstein, on the Rockies catching prospects like Drew Moore. The total package, he covers the four pillars of catching. Good game manager, he really thinks it's important. He can block, he can throw, and he can receive, and he is very intriguing. we got a lot of fellas, and it's it's fun to go out there every day and, and see them develop. Plus, Drew, on the level of concern we should have for the Nuggets, and a preview of the NCAA Tournament. Subscribe to the Drew Goodman Podcast wherever you find podcasts, and please tell a friend. This is the Drew Goodman Podcast. Hey, welcome in, everybody. It is show number 193. Traveling this week, actually traveling a lot uh, this time of year out in Los Angeles watching uh, one of my boys play. And um, I've been to L.A. I kind of – this is a rough estimate. I probably in my lifetime have spent – somewhere between five and 600 days of my life in Southern California. I don't think I've seen it rain five times. And yet I've been here a week and it's rained virtually every day. They've had crazy weather pattern, as you know, uh, here in California the last uh, couple of weeks. But that's an aside. We move on. First question um, that uh, I will uh, handle, and I've handled this um I guess a lot of late people wondering, you know, what's going on with television, with AT&T Sportsnet and so on. Way above my pay grade. Um, I'm sure that the negotiations uh, continue as we speak. And as a fan, I think you'd be quite confident that the games will be on. All of the games will be on. And we shall see where they fall. Uh, I'm like everyone else right now. I I don't know anything more than what uh, I've read. And um, I know many of you have reached out through social media. Um, Don't know. Don't know. Obviously anxious to know, uh, like all of you, especially since that's uh, how we make our living. But uh, I did want to mention that as we get rolling today. Hey, last week, I was home for a few days. My youngest son and I went to the Nuggets game. It was the Nuggets-Bulls game, and it was awful. It was fun to be there, but as you know, the Nuggets played terribly, and they've played terribly since then. Lost to the Bulls at the time. That was just their fifth loss at home. Um, The question that arises here is, should we be concerned about the Nuggets? Well, first of all, Zero defense was played that night. Zero defense is played on many a nights during the regular season in the NBA. Uh, There's zero interest in playing defense. I think the Nuggets have gotten comfortable with where they are in the Western Conference. So I'm not overly concerned, but I will tell you, I'm not one that believes that you can just flip a switch and turn it on. And... My greater concern about the Nuggets, and I would say this even if they didn't go into a recent little tailspin, and that is, are they tough enough? Are they physical enough to win in the postseason? And we're not just talking about winning a series now. Clearly, the Nuggets have established established themselves as an elite team in the NBA, and Pretty close, I would think, but maybe not quite, but close to what the Avalanche were a year ago, where it was win a cup or bust. For the Nuggets, I don't know if it's win an NBA championship or bust, but it's certainly, for the first time, get to an NBA Finals. Come out of the West, 
or bust. Anything short of that, I think, is going to be a relative disappointment. I really do. And I think you would concur with that. And so my question is, are they tough enough? Do they have collectively enough guys that when defense is played, when basketball becomes more physical, as it always does in late April and May and into June, will they be able to win enough of those kinds of games? We shall find out. My biggest takeaway, by the way, from going uh, to the Nuggets-Bulls game, other than no defense is played, but I can watch television to see that. Um, and it is a departure from when guys played 20, 30 years ago. I'm not saying it was it was, you know, dig in hardcore defense every night, but far more defense was played um, back then, in my opinion. But my biggest takeaway, and this is a really important one, is I miss the suits. I miss the head coach and his assistants, but particularly the head coach, because the focus is always on the head coach. I miss those guys in fancy suits. I miss the days of Pat Riley and Armani. I miss Chuck Daly dressed to the nines. These glorified sweatsuits. Come on, man. Not into that. It is the NBA. The players certainly can wear sweatsuits over their shorts, but not the coaches. It, it looks like a summer league game. Let's all be relaxed. Go back to suits. Staying in basketball, the NCAA tournament begins. Everybody loves March Madness. You want to know why? Because we all love Cinderella. And we love the Cinderella story. Movie like Rudy does really well. The underdog, right? Well, the first weekend, there's four straight days where there's a plethora of underdogs that not only you can root for, but every year, a number of those underdogs win at least one game. A 14 seed over a three seed, 12 seed over a five seed, St. Peter's, Loyola of Chicago, you go on and on. All, all, the, all the schools that some people have never heard of that won an NCAA game or two in some cases. So that's why we love the, uh, the opening weekend of March Madness where Oh, by the way, defense is played and there is intensity on the court. So um, I'll be following that for what it's worth. I filled out one bracket so far. I may fill out another one, but I got involved with one of my boys uh, pools and I have um, Baylor winning it all. <laughs> so you can chuckle at that. But, you know, Baylor's got a good team. They're they're in it every year. Great coach. So I got Baylor winning it all. To baseball, and before we talk Rockies, we'll go WBC briefly. Um, have caught some of the BC, not as much as I would like because I've uh, been watching college baseball, but it's fun, and it's and it's really fun to watch Team USA. I watched it blow out Canada. I felt bad for that 19-year-old minor league kid for Canada who had to face you know Mookie Betts and Mike Trout back to back to start the ball game. Um, what a great lineup! that Team USA is putting out. And, and I love the interactions. I love watching these great players have an opportunity beyond the All-Star game um, to play with one another in games that really mean something. 
and to see the camaraderie um, and, and to see all these guys wearing, you know, USA across their chest. Cool stuff. I'm in. I'm in on that. To the Rockies we go. And, uh, you know, the Rockies marching along in spring training. And, and I've said this many times, and I'll say it many times in the future on this podcast, and I'll say it on television during Rockies games. The, the two months that lie the most or I'm always tempering what meaning comes out of performance in March, the month of March, and the month of September in the past, because in the past – Rosters expanded so much in September, uh, it, it was hard to judge what you were seeing. Probably less so now, because only a couple of players can be added in September with the uh, with the rule changes to rosters. So I will I will leave it at March now, where you know March can make fans excited about a given player, and sometimes it's justified, and sometimes, quite frankly, it's not. Uh, you know, Cactus League. Offensive numbers usually are fairly robust, much harder to hit in the Grapefruit League. And you don't know who a guy's hitting against. Did he get you know two hits late in a ball game against a double-A guy that's going to be sent back to minor league camp uh, the next morning? And, and it's a handful of at-bats. You know, it's 30, 40 at-bats. You know, Ezekiel Tovar last year. Won the Abby Greer Award as MVP of spring training for the Rockies. Well-deserved. And he was great, man. He hit a few home runs, and he hit well over 400, maybe even hit 500. Um, but again, it wasn't it wasn't, wasn't a ton of at-bats. Now, I'll begin with Ezekiel Tovar because the Rockies need to develop these young players into bona fide contributing and hopefully winning players of a first division team at the major league level or find out if they have that ability. So in the case of Tovar, fingers crossed, the Rockies believe he's going to be their shortstop, not only of the current, but of the future and a really good player. And you're going to begin uh, on March 30th in San Diego to watch him. And he's going to play virtually every day at shortstop, barring something unforeseen. And he's 21 and it's a lot to be excited about. We've talked about Ezekiel Tovar couple other guys that come to mind that have performed well this spring training, especially of late. Michael Tolia was okay early, but he's hit, hit a couple homers lately. Um, you know, he's come on, got to cut down on the strikeouts. He got up for a little bit late last year. They have to find out who they have in Michael Tolia, the former UCLA star, which means he's got to get playing time. Can't be sporadic. He's got to play at the big league level. He's got to figure it out at the big league level. And um, and see what you have. Can he be a winning player? Same thing goes for Elaris Montero, who has been very solid this spring. Hit some home runs um, and uh, performed fairly well at third base. You know, McMahon's going to be over at second. They have to find out what kind of player is Montero. I said it last week. You got to get those guys an abundance of at-bats. It can't, for me, it can't be, you know, a handful of at-bats a week because then a year from now, you're still unsure who those guys are. You got to find out now. Got to find out now, are they part of the solution because the Rockies are in transition? They're in transition and they do have um, a couple of these guys that we mentioned, but many more 
to come in the not too distant future that hopefully will formulate the next really good Rockies team. One that can compete for the postseason, get to the postseason, and hopefully naturally do some damage there. But those guys' names, we got to find out who they are. Is it going to be a Montero? Is it going to be a Tolia? You know, down the road, will it be a Veen and a Romo? And um, I think Romo's a little further away, catching aspect of things, takes a little longer to develop. He's shown up really well this spring. Uh, you heard from him last week on this podcast. Uh, Zach Veen, I know everybody's excited about, uh, you know, tremendous talent. As I said last week, for me, still needs more seasoning um, with the hit tool. Uh, be a little more judicious in what he swings at. But, you know, he's coming. But I do think it's important with uh, the aforementioned guys to get them opportunities this year. I would have said the same thing about Sean Bouchard. What a a shame that, you know, Bouchard um, has to have surgery on his left bicep, hurt it swinging the bat, and it's going to be lost, it looks like, for, um, if not the whole season, close to that. Um, So that uh, was a big disappointment. I've been wanting to get on my guest for quite a while. He's a guy I've known for quite a while. He's a guy I have immense respect for, and so does everyone else in baseball. His name, of course, is Jerry Weinstein, and and Jerry is 79 years young. He'll be 80 uh, in November. And if you ask anyone in baseball, hey, who's the most knowledgeable guy you've ever been around? I guarantee you Jerry Weinstein would get a great number of votes and not just within the Rockies organization. I mean, he's been everywhere. He's been everywhere in college baseball. He's a most sought after baseball speaker, whether it's, uh, you know, major conventions like the ABCA or smaller conventions of baseball coaches. He is always asked for, and he is innovative. He's always looking to learn. He's always looking uh, to pass on knowledge, whether it be on social media. He's very active on Twitter. You can follow him. He's written books. Uh, he's coached at every level, uh, junior college, major college, internationally, been part of Team USA, coached Team Israel to a great run a few years ago, <clears throat> excuse me, in the WBC. Uh, Jerry Weinstein, he's a ball of energy. Nobody has more energy than him. And as I said, he's 79 years young. So I thought it would be great to talk baseball and talk uh, Rockies prospects specifically with a guy who's in uniform every day of his life, Jerry Weinstein. Jerry, is this your first year or second year in baseball? (laughs) Uh, Is it... Dog years or, or, or dinosaur years? How are yeah. we, uh, well, we, we measuring this? Well, dog years won't work yeah, either. Di- so must they, be dinosaur years. Must be dinosaur yeah, years. Uh, yeah, probably one dinosaur year. This yeah. is, I, I can't. I mean, I, I, I coached a little league team at 15, so I'm going to be 80, so uh, 65 years. Unbelievable. And, and I'm not just saying this, everyone who knows you, not only in the Rockies organization, but throughout the world of baseball will say you have more energy than anybody they know. Um, I have one cylinder, and I put all my energy into that cylinder. I'm not a golfer. I like to work out, and I like to read, and and I, 
do a few other things, but my main cylinder is baseball, and I and I enjoy it. I, I truly enjoy what I'm doing. It, it comes out in the people uh, that you interact with. Many people know your name around the country from seeing you at various clinics, um, um, and. Whenever someone asks me, who, who knows the most baseball anybody you know, I don't, I don't hesitate. I say, Jerry Weinstein. It's, it's very simple. And yet you still have a thirst for knowledge. You sit in the front row at clinics when there are other presenters. Oh, absolutely. A lot of times I do a fair amount of speaking, and one of the criteria for if I, where I'm going to go to speak is who else is speaking, if there's someone I want to hear. or And I call people up all the time, just cold call people and say, hey, you know, that I read about. And social media is great because you get exposure to a lot of different uh, different uh, people with expertise in a lot of different areas, and they're not all pro guys, and they, they may just be some guy and, I, and who's doing something interesting and and, uh, you know, I want to tap into that. We've seen a transition <laughs> in professional baseball where they're taking oftentimes, a, you know, a college coach, a, a, a guy that maybe was a college coach, not at Arkansas or LSU. I mean, I look at, at Kai Correa, who you know well and, and I know well. And Kai was at UNC. He was recruiting one of my kids a few years ago. He was from University of Puget Sound, a D3 school. And, and he, said, he tells a story. He goes, I wasn't a good player even at that level, yet he's a bench coach now in the big leagues and really well-respected for his infield stuff. It's just uh, there's so many resources out there, and the and the resumes are looking a lot different these days. And it's 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 a, it's an information age. And I always say information is king. The man the man with the most information that uses it widely wisely is 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 going to be a winner. And 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 professional baseball, college baseball, or wherever. There's no corner on the market. The market is is immense today, and and there's so much information out there, and and the people that gather that information use it wisely it doesn't matter what their playing background is it's more especially in a in a coaching managing environment it's about how you can impact your team and the individuals on the team not not how good you can take bp or throw bp or whatever jerry when you throw stuff out on social media was that a natural for you because your thirst for innovation and knowledge or was it another way to um, be able to um, connect with young people, and the young, and obviously this sport is played by young people. Well, I think I've always been about uh, paying paying forward, and in, in, in a in kind of a payback mode that a lot of people help me, and, and I want that next generation to have the same advantages that I had as a as a, as a coach, and then also the the it just with the rise of social media, where I first started doing twitter i had no idea what it was and a friend of mine alan jager who's a jager bands and interesting guy and i'd written a book and he says this is really good he says do you have a website i said no he says do you do you know anything about twitter i said i don't know what you're talking about and this was maybe eight years nine years ago and so he got me started and then all of a sudden i got a lot of feedback that people were appreciative and and they had there was a need out there to disseminate information and uh and when you get reinforced for doing that that that's a good thing at times, people say, oh, he's the catching guy. Do you feel like, hey, that pigeonholes me? Yeah, I know a lot about catching. I've written a lot about catching, but um, there, there's more to me than that. Well, now I'm, I'm more, oh, you're the Twitter guy. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I've transitioned from the catching guy, but uh, I, I've coached everything at every level 
Uh, and uh, I've coached alone. I've coached with assistants. I've mentored assistants. Uh, ultimately, when you're a head coach, you're responsible for everything. And you just don't turn the, the keys to the to the uh, luxury car over to, to just anybody. you, you got to make sure that what they're doing is that you know uh, is the right thing to do for each individual player. And then when you get that right guy, certainly you, you respect his ability to do his job and, and trust him to do that. But still, uh, the ultimate responsibility is on the, the man at the top of the food chain. Yeah, well, speaking of the top of the food chain, from a defensive standpoint, I have always felt like, and, and this is how I coach it, the most important defensive position on the field is the catcher. Eight guys look at him. He sets the tempo for how you're going to play. There's there's so many. He can't lose focus for half a second because it's a ball to the backstop. It's 90 feet. What are what are the elements that, that are absolutes for you when you teach young catchers? Well, before I, before I tell you that, I, I, it... With all the data that we have, if you look at defensive runs saved, catcher's number one. He's he's gonna he's gonna have a hand in over the course of a 60, 162 game season. There's gonna be, you know, some fifteen thousand pitches or more thrown, and and a lot of them are close pitches. But the the thing, the the one thing, I, the number one thing I look for is a the guy really wants to be back there. That's that's number one that that he has enthusiasm and passion. For, for the job that he signs up for. And then I'm looking for one of the best athletes on my team. If I had a choice, well, he could be a shortstop or he could be a center fielder, he could be a catcher. I said, hey, let's make him a catcher because he's going he's gonna to impact the game on the defensive side. And in other areas, too, with his leadership ability, he's going to have control of the clubhouse, the dugout. And, you know, he has, he has a lot of uh, uh, ancillary things that, that he does that are kind of subtle and esoteric that that uh, nobody sees but adds to the wins and, 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 and also contributes to losses if he doesn't do it. You know, I pontificated a lot about this on the air because of the robo-umpire, and, and I'm against it in that um, bias because family of catchers and the art of catching and the art of, as you call them, straballs, and I reference what you know your moniker for that all the time i i just don't want to take away the importance of that position what's your take on that well i don't want to erode the human element in the game and make it <laughs> robotic we're gonna have a <laughs> robo umpire well right. this game is played by human beings and right. and and we're not perfect it's not a game of perfect but there the, the the skill level of the umpire especially the younger umpires in today's game is so good and then i think i could live with uh the challenge system i i think that i think that but if we went to a total uh, automated ball strike system the, the position would change drastically. It's a, it's a, it'd be a bat-first position, and I don't think that would help the game from a pitching standpoint. I don't think the aesthetics of the game would be as good. Uh, I think that even though with a, with a robotic or automated strike zone, there's still going to be an element of expertise that's going to be required to go behind the plate. I don't think it's just like you stick any guy back there and let him pick the ball up after it stops rolling, that type of thing. But... Uh, uh, I don't. I, I'm. I'm with you. I'm not in favor of that. I want. Uh, we. We have to understand. It's not a game of perfection, and you know. It, I think it would change the game drastically. Jerry, what's your take on the the pitch com and the new element of pitch com is that the pitcher actually now can, you know, 
two-seamer away, slider. And, and so you don't see, no longer are you flashing signs on a regular basis. And I don't know if that takes away focus or what's your experience so far with it? Well, I haven't had the experience with the pitcher necessarily having the the uh, uh, the pitch come on his and him calling the pitches. But I like that because in reality, even without uh, any kind of communication system, when we put a signal down, we're just it's a suggestion for a pitch, and the pitcher has to take responsibility for the pitch that he throws. It's got to be one that he trusts and has confidence in, and he throws with without doubt. And too often they just follow the fingers, and then when things go wrong, their fingers point away from them. And I, I want the pitcher to to he's got especially starting pitchers. They've got five days to prepare. They they can do their homework and and they know themselves better than anybody. We we're not an X-ray or an MRI machine, so there, there's no way we can make. And there's not one right pitch too. Again, that's not a it's not a game of perfection. There's there's I, I think that in five years we're going to see. A, a pitch calling strategist in the bull, in the dugout with his computer and with a direct communication to the pitcher and then the pitcher having the the right to veto the pitch because who knows what he's feeling at that time but I think we're headed that way and I'm not sure that, that it's a bad thing yeah that's interesting I want to talk about some of the young catchers in the system from where I sit the Rockies are deeper at that position maybe than they ever have been would you concur Oh, as long as I've been here in 16 years, this is the the most depth of quality catchers that can not only catch but but have some offense about them as well. What do you got on Drew Romo? A total package. He covers the four pillars of catching. Good game manager. He really thinks it's important. He can block, he can throw, and he can receive. And uh, Again, not a finished product, and he's got a ways to go, but... The, the upside is, is really outstanding. It's a total package because he, he is a good offensive player as well, and he's a good athlete, and he's, a, he's a, at least an average runner and, and wants to steal bases. And it, Not that that's important, but it adds to the mix. I think he is very intriguing. Who else uh, jumps out at you uh, at that position? Well, we've got a, a number of guys. We've got uh, Willie McIver. Willie McIver is one of the best team guys and the best uh, the, the best relationship guys you'll ever meet. Plus, he's got big-time power. Swings and misses maybe a little bit more than he liked at this point, but getting better. Can really throw. Tremendous blocker. Led all of double-A in receiving metrics last year. Uh, and very athletic, but the personality is, is unbelievable. Uh, he's, he's a catalyst on a team. Uh, Braxton Fulford is... Uh, probably one of the best throwers in all of baseball not just minor league baseball i'm talking about in the big leagues he throws streams of milk he's he throws the ball high 80s low 90s with perfect spin perfect spin efficiency great spin axis tremendous carry he can really block he can really catch and he's got sneaky power really good ronica palmer uh, from Venezuela, he's a little guy, but in super, super kind of a, a Tony uh, Walters type guy, but but probably better arm strength and and maybe even a little bit more athletic and maybe going to have more offense. Really outstanding, Hunter Goodman. Hunter Goodman. People don't understand how good a catcher he's he is now and could be if that's all he did. And plus, he's so athletic. Uh, not uh, not athletic to the eye where, oh, that guy's a thoroughbred, but he does everything, and he does it really easy. He can play the outfield, can play first base, can throw, 
got tremendous power, plus he puts the ball in play. Uh, in, interesting guy. And we, there's, we've got Brian Bencourt that's just coming over from Dominican Republic. We've got Jesus Ordonez who can really throw. We've got, we've got a lot of fellas, and it's, it's fun to go out there every day and, and see them develop. More with Drew and Rocky's special assistant of player development, Jerry Weinstein, right after this. Steel Power Tools, it's spelled S-T-I-H-L. You know their product. You see with the uh, orange on all of their stuff, whether it's uh, a chainsaw or blower or trimmer. They have so many products. I tell you all the time, just go to SteelUSA.com, SteelUSA.com, S-T-I-H-L, or SteelDealers.com, more than 10,000 dealers around the country, and go shopping, man. Buy product and then run down to the dealer and it'll be waiting for you. And there are so many different items. And you may think, well, you know, I'm pretty much all set. Do me a favor. Get online and take a look at all they have. And I guarantee you'll find several, as in more than one, that you say, you know what? That would be useful to have in my tool shed. That would be useful to have in my tool shed. And you'll be like me. You'll, you'll have a, a plethora of skill tools, and uh, you'll even know how to utilize some of them. But they're great. Battery operators, the way I go, super powerful, love the battery stuff, charge lasts forever. They have electric if you like that. They have gas-powered as well, um, but uh, I, I go battery-powered. Anyhow, it's Steel, S-T-I-H-L, SteelUSA.com, SteelDealers.com. Boyer's Coffee. Been brewed in the Rocky Mountains since 1965. You know that. If you haven't had Boyer's Coffee right now, there's something wrong. If you're a Coloradan, you ought to have a full cabinet of Boyer's Coffee. It's brewed here. It's smooth. It's terrific. It's consistent. And they have so many flavors. Chocolate cherry. How good does that sound? I don't know. To me, it sounds good. Some folks aren't into the different flavored coffees. Um, I'm a big chocolate guy. They got chocolate mousse coffee going now. They got coconut cream. Um, I like the Sumatra mashup. Um, and I've got I've got a cabinet full of those. I haven't delivered to my house. Go to boyerscoffee.com. That's boyerscoffee.com and go shopping. It's that simple. Uh, you can go to your local market as well. Um, I do it uh, online, and I have it delivered uh, periodically to the house. I'm a K-Cup guy, and it works wonderfully well for me. You'll love it. it it's great coffee, and uh, they're locally owned and operated, and it's as good a cup of coffee as you will find anywhere. Boyerscoffee.com. Now back to Drew and Jerry Weinstein. It's always going to be the most important element in the sport of baseball is pitching, pitching, pitching. I mean, you can you can put a Hall of Fame lineup together, but if you're facing a guy that, that's tough to hit, guess what? The guy on the hill wins nine times out of ten. What are you seeing for the future of the Rockies in terms of guys on the hill? Well, we've never had more pitching depth than we do right now in the minor leagues. And, uh, you know, with the recent drafts and the focus on pitching in the, in the recent drafts and the arm strength that we're bringing into the system, uh, it's now they're not there. They're not going to be there tomorrow, but they're going to be there. It's not going to take a long time for a lot of these guys because many of them were high level power five college pitchers, Gabriel Hughes and and, uh, you know, guys like that. I think I think that very very optimistic about the future of our pitching and and I think our catching is going to enhance 
those guys too. They're going to help make them better. Yeah. What What is it in this last off season? What did you learn, Jerry? That was an aha moment for you. Who knows? For me, you know, virtually everything and seen everything in baseball. Was there Was there a, a session you were in? You go. You know what? I this is a different way of looking at this, and and I'm filing that away. Well, I had a conversation with Brian Bannister, who's, uh, I don't know what his title is with the Giants, maybe pitching strategist or right. whatever. And I've listened, he was at the uh, Wake Forest uh, uh, Bridge the Gap uh, clinic, and he's done a couple other things. And then I was on a podcast with him, and I, and I called him, and we talked about throwing, because, you know, throwing is throwing. And he gave me a nugget. <laughs> and, this, and it's a little thing. And it won't, it, to your listeners, they won't think, well, that, that's really good. But we're, you know, one of the things that's really important with catchers throwing is uh, spin axis and rotation. And he said that uh, have, have these guys throw with a two-seam grip and then transition to a four-seam grip because naturally with a two-seam grip, what's the ball going to do? It's going to run and it's going to sink. And if you can create backspin with a two-seam grip, you're really going to be able to create backspin, consistent backspin and inline carry. And and I thought that that was, uh, to me, uh, kind of an an epiphany. Uh, You know, it was a seminal moment in terms of And so now we throw stripe four-seam balls. Now we're throwing, we're starting out with stripe two-seam balls. And because that spin axis is really important, because and we did a little study and a ball a throw the throw from home to second is 133 feet the base is 127 but you're behind home plate so the average is about 133 and we find that that the throws that have the best spin axis lose less miles per hour in that 133 feet as much as six seven or eight miles an hour and that determines time and distance which determines throwouts and 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 things like that and then the use of uh the other thing that uh and and it's a new technology and i think uh driveline started it but uh, atec has these new foam soft foam balls and so now we used to kill our catchers blocking hard balls, and now we can do the same thing, develop the same skills with these foam balls that uh, less wear and tear on, on the catchers, but also uh, it has a little lift so they get practice catching those high-riding fastballs and good for hitters too. I mean, there's so much new technology out there, and I, and I just love it, and, I, and I'm willing to try anything. Uh, I have a new, there's a new, uh, there's, it's, it's called a CRT belt that we're using with our catchers all the time that, they're, they have resistance when they're catching, and then we kind of blend it where they, they wear the belt and they have to move the ball with resistance. They take it off because we're really big on moving the ball smoothly and fast, and so we've been using that. And uh, I, I mean, I could, I could, I don't have, you know, I mean, there's something every day that I try and, like, I'm out here and we're throwing bullpens, and all the analytic people are back there, and I go up to each way, what do you got for me today? What do you got? Well, <laughs> and, and, uh, one of our young guys says, "Well, he says, you know, the the, vert- the uh, vertical break on the slider. If it's this and this and this, it, uh, we're finding that there's more swings. And you know, so I'm just, I'm an info junkie, and I'm looking for things to, to make me better. And, and there's all kinds of resources here and, and throughout the baseball world. All right, take Jerry, take people through." Um, your life in in the summer months once uh, you know the big league team's doing their thing but but all the minor league affiliates are playing what what's a, um, what's the month of May look like typically for Jerry May I am likely to go out and see some high level catching for the draft I've done a, a fair amount of it already up to in California up before spring training then maybe Gus will have me go out and see someone maybe not then if I'm not going out 
then I'm going to I'm going to uh, rove to the affiliates. And if I'm not roving and I'm at home, I'll have a game on my iPad, a game on my computer, and a game on my phone, and maybe one on the TV. And I'll be charting all those games. I chart the catching. You know, I have a catching chart that, and then we grade them. And then uh, after I do that, um, I, I put it on my phone and I text it to them so they can see what their grades were. And then the next day, I go through. The next morning, I'll go through and uh, go and look at all the True Media stuff. And I'll look at, and True Media has all the video stuff, and I'll look at their SL Plus, which is Strikes Looking Plus. And uh, then uh, uh, I'll send that to them. And then I take the opposing catcher, and I look at his, and I, because we're com- our goal is A, to win the game, B, to have an SL Plus of 100 or more, and C, to have an SL Plus higher than the, the other catcher. And so, and then I will cherry pick little video snippets of the game in certain areas that are good or bad, and I'll say, usually I'll do that the night before when I'm watching the game, and I just kind of uh, uh, red flag it, and I'll come back and I'll send him, I'll put a video on my phone and I'll send it to him with. I don't. I just Jerry. I'm, I'm exhausted. No, I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted listening to that. Um, to to think about you know your your day and your evening, amazing stuff. Sixty five years in the game. When you were at UCLA, running around campus, did you have any idea that this was uh, your future? No, because I'm not. I'm not one of those guys. I'm. I've never had a bucket list. I, I never had. Hey, if I do this, then I can do that. I just kind of have lucked out and been in the right place at the right time, and I've never felt, well, gee, I want to be a big league coach or I want to be a big league manager. If I do this, I can have that. matter of fact, I was managing in Modesto, and this was in 2011, or maybe, no, yeah, 2011, and we were in Instructional League, and Dan and Guy Bad said, hey, we want to take you and Andrea out for dinner, and Mar Foley was handling the catching in the big leagues, and he wanted to go back to the minor leagues, and they said, hey, uh, you know, we, we're probably going to want you to, to coach the catchers in the big leagues and do some positioning stuff and and so on. And uh, I said, well, I really like managing. And I really like Modesto. Nobody likes <laughs> I shouldn't say that. But, I mean, I, and I'm a Central Valley guy. And, and you know, I mean, you, you, most guys want to get out of the Cal League and do this and do that and have these goals. And they said, Weinstein, we're talking about coaching in the big leagues. What are you talking? I say, hey, look at whatever you guys want me to do. You sign the checks, I'll do it. But I've never been, I've never been that guy that uh, had that type of goal environment where if I do do this, then then I can do that. I mean, I left. <laughs> I was telling someone today. I was at the University of Miami in '84, and uh, I had taken a year's leave of absence. And uh, you ask me what time it is, I'm telling you how to make the clock anyway. So uh, I, we were going to stay for a year. My wife, it wasn't good for my wife or my family. She was a nurse, and it didn't, just didn't work out well. And so we were terrible. And then at the end, we, and, and I told her, I said, hey, we're so bad, we can't leave and leave it like this because bad. You know, they, we've won a lot of games, but it wasn't typical Miami. All of a sudden, we get into a regional, get hot and win the regional and get to the College World Series. So now I feel comfortable. And so before we left, I went to Ron Frazier. And I said, hey, Ron, uh, after the World Series, I'm going back to California. He said, oh, you're going to visit? No, I'm going back to California. He said, what do you mean you're going back to California? This this has been great, but it's not exactly (laughs) the best for my family. He says, do you know how much money I make? I said, well, I, yeah, I guess I do, but that's not what it's about. <laughs> and so that and then a couple other times I had that opportunity, and I was 
I guess what it's it's all about, you know, being happy where your feet are and doing the best, even if you're not happy doing your very best job. And I, I think that's good advice for anybody. I, I think that's great advice. Before I let you go, um, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about, you know, all the thrills you've had in, in managing and coaching and seeing and the, the small victories when, when a kid you really worked hard with, you know, achieves. Team Israel overachieved for many in the WBC that uh, and you managed them a few years back and they went on that you know spectacular run um, where's that in, in the pecking order of, uh, of 65 years in baseball? Well that was definitely a highlight uh, I, that was, I had an unbelievable group of coaches and, and even better players in terms of people and, and it just shows that if you work smart enough and, and you work and you believe and you believe that there, there are no limits and and we don't have to beat Clayton Kershaw ten times. We just have to do it tonight, and they all bought into that, and and we all believe that, and it's it, it, it's 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 the truth. And so uh, uh, that was a that was an unbelievable event. I had never been involved in anything. It was like, and we were in Korea, and then in Tokyo, and it was like this, every game was a, MLB. Really, that's a showcase for them, and they do it right. And it's like uh, seventh game of the World Series, and. Uh, the, the media presence. I mean, there had to be a thousand photographers and journalists there, and the press conferences were epic. And I, I had no idea. And uh, and the fact that we were able to a win some games and then provide some resources for for baseball in Israel where they could build facilities and, and grow the game. That was that was my main goal. Yeah, Jerry, um, we could do this for, and we will do this again, but um, uh, it, it's a joy to sit down and chat with you always and, and to do it so other people can share with it. I really appreciate it. Continued success, another uh, 65 in the game. Yeah, I hope so. Thanks. All right. Jerry's great. Affable, approachable, um, Always, as I said earlier, looking to to gain knowledge and to pass on knowledge. He's coached in the Cape, coached recently in the Cape, in fact. I I assume he's going back to the Cape um, this year. He's great. Love him. In fact, last year he's coming from the Cape. I get a a phone call in the middle of the afternoon, and he was somewhere in the middle of America, and he was just checking in. Um, What a superb human being, and uh, Rockies are, are... um, are good are lucky to have him and thrilled that uh, that they have him because he is uh, he's superb and and his specialty has always been catchers but doesn't matter what the subject is when it comes to baseball Jerry's the man hey very quickly before we get on out of here had to talk Aaron Rodgers because no one else is I mean no one else talking about Aaron Rodgers so I thought I would you know throw my two cents in there on uh, on Rodgers. Apparently, he's going to be a jet. In this day and age of an abundance or overabundance of information and misinformation, there's a couple of things on Aaron Rodgers that um, for me, and I don't know this for a fact, but that I don't buy. For instance, he came out on the Pat McAfee show and as we tape this today from Los Angeles on a Wednesday, announced that he's going to be going to the Jets and that when he went into the Valley of Darkness or wherever the hell he went in that much celebrated uh, three or four days, I think it was in Oregon, 
He said he was 90 percent retired. Sorry, Aaron, ain't buying that because you had over 100 million reasons to not be going to retirement. And I know he's a wealthy guy anyhow, but I'm not buying that one. Sorry. Um, I also don't buy what was written in the 24 hours preceding Aaron Rodgers officially announcing that he's you know, going to be going to the Jets. And that is that he put a list together for the Jets of guys that he wanted the Jets to pursue in free agency. I believe that he had conversations about players he liked with Green Bay or maybe around the league. And boy, that would be fun to play with that guy or he would really appreciate if he could play with that guy. But I don't think he came out and handed them uh, a list on a yellow legal pad and said, hey, here's here's, you know, here's 10 guys I want to play with. Not buying that. I think it'll work with the Jets, and there is irony because Brett Favre opened up a spot for Rodgers to finally take over when he was traded to the Jets, you know, almost two decades ago. Uh, That was a different Jets team. This Jets team is terrific on defense. It has pieces on offense. Um, There were a number of times last year where you thought the Jets were going to be in the postseason. If Aaron Rodgers is committed... And Aaron Rodgers, you know, has been a great player. That's unquestioned. He's won four MVPs. He's played 18 years. And at times, he's played the position better than anybody we've ever seen. Um, But is he still committed? He didn't have a great year last year after back-to-back MVP seasons. I mean, is he going to do the work with receivers in the offseason, a new group of receivers, is he going to, before the camp, you know, mini camps and all that, is he going to go the extra mile so he can compete for a Super Bowl with the Jets? If he has that commitment still and that drive still to not only individually be great, but to, to raise everybody else up around him, then I think the Jets can be, you know, very dangerous. And I understand why the Jets are doing this because, you know, being a native New Yorker, the Giants have always kind of owned that town in the same way where on the baseball side, it's a Yankees town and the Mets, you know, have been a nice story here and there going back to the miracle Mets of 69. But the Jets have always played second fiddle. And the Giants had a nice year last year after being miserable for a while. They made the playoffs, and and now there's some sex appeal to the Giants with you know Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, and the fact that they won. The Jets haven't done anything since they won the Super Bowl and you know in the late '60s with Joe Namath. And Aaron Rodgers is you know maybe the biggest name in the sport right now that Tom Brady's retired. And now he's going to be playing on Broadway. So it fits on a good team. So it's it's really an interesting story. And the NFL is never short on storylines. But no one was talking about Aaron Rodgers. So I thought I would I would go there at least for a few minutes. That'll do it for this edition. Uh, Next week, we'll check back with you from Scottsdale as the start of the major league season 
draws nearer. We're getting close, getting close to opening day in San Diego. Four in San Diego, two here in Los Angeles before the Rockies have their home opener against the Nationals. But uh, still still a couple, three weeks away from that. Listen, stay safe, stay well. Always good to be with you. Uh, big shout out to uh, good folks at Mile High Sports. Check out all their podcasts and their uh, radio shows. Good to see uh, Sean Drotar and Sandy Clough. Back on the airwaves uh, at Mile High Sports. That was uh, that was great to see. All right, man. Talk to you in a week. Take care, everybody.